0: fm to get started who is dick grayson who is Corey anders who is dr adamson who is this boy hitting on rachel who is rachel aka raven's dad so many questions tonight as we after show talk dc Titans season one episode three origins do we get the answers stay tuned you're
1: tuned in to After Buzz TV, the ESPN of TV Talk. Now, let the buzz
0: begin. You have to feel this song in your soul. That's that's what we're doing now, Thompson. Get it. You you probably would have been a hit at the Scooters bowling alley. You would have been a hit at Scooters <laughs> bowling oh alley.
1: Gosh. Uh, exactly.
0: How's everybody doing tonight? We are talking that after show talk that we talk so well here about DC Titans season 1 episode 3 Origins. We're going to talk about the nuclear family. We're going to talk about St. Paul's Covenant, which is scary if you ask me. Stargirl, Stargirl and Raven as a team. Robin and Raven, will they be back together? Robin's flashback, did everyone love or hate that Robin? Who is Raven's dad? Who we kind of know, but we know, but we think we know, but are we sure? News and gossip over there with Chauncey. Special segment and more. Stay tuned as we discuss it all. I'm here, of course. My name is Teron. I am hosting for our host, Evan Mack, who we sincerely miss. I think he's out there saving the world. I'm dressed as Batman, if you don't know, but Batman when he was just chilling at home in the bathrobe. And I'm alongside the wonderful Johnsy Robinson.
1: Hey, y'all. It's Johnsy K. Robinson here.
0: Who has a lot of thoughts about tonight's show. I do. How do you feel about the show overall?
1: I actually really love this. I mean, I was waiting for Starfire to come back and I was just she delivered. I mean, once again, I think once we what we had said in the beginning was she just kind of she has such a presence and it was all the moments she was on screen, I loved.
0: Well, the words total badass were used.
1: Yes. And which were apt.
0: Definitely, definitely <laughs> were very, very responsibly and correctly used when it when it comes to to star she's just literally a star overall there wasn't a lot of action in this particular episode if you think about it when i say action we didn't see any masks we didn't see any superhero-ness come out okay how did that make you feel
1: I mean, I don't know if I told. I mean, okay, without the mask and thing, but this is they're getting to that. I think there was total action in terms of Starfire's fight in the uh, in the diner, which was awesome. And then we had the whole like the whole deal with uh, Raven in the convent and whatnot. There was a lot of a lot a lot of explosive scenes that I mean, that kind of defined the episode to me. Not it, it was very different from the second episode, actually. I thought the second episode was... I said quiet last time. And I think this episode was loud to me in such an awesome way. So
0: It was loud to me as well in a subtle way. It okay. expressed a lot... It- I've finally given in to this DC Titans world, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of the audience has as well. Mm-hmm. We did see it be directed by Kevin Rodney Sullivan, who actually has, besides directing things like Star Trek, Wrath of Khan, actually directed Riverdale. So it had a little more of a Riverdale feel, which I felt like we noticed in the Scooters Bowling Alley scene. Probably. It did feel kind like of that.
1: teenage. A little. <laughs> but in a very good yeah. way, I yeah. will say
0: that. And it was written by Richard Hayden, um, amongst others, and the reason why that's important is because Richard Hatem is the one who wrote the Mothman prophecies. Okay. Which is obviously the scary feel to this episode because I did feel that occult vibe.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. There was just some vibes of... I didn't trust that nun as soon as I saw her. I was just like, something's weird going on here. I mean, it's, it's very... It was ominous when they got there, but it was also... You know the sunshine, and she's so welcoming. I think Raven just so wants to be accepted somewhere that she was just so quick to take. But I think everyone at home was kind of watching, like something's not right here.
0: Well, they came off. They came off, of course, very nun-like. <laughs>
1: Do you have something and
0: against nuns? I, I personally don't, but the way they were too nice. And mm. sometimes I have something against too nice. And also, because of the news nowadays, I have something against older white women. Don't blame me. Blame the news. Let's jump <laughs> right into the older white women in the show who was the scariest of all, whether it was the nun or, in my opinion, was the mom in the nuclear family. How were your thoughts on the nuclear family and who they seem to be in this episode?
1: I mean, I think... With the nuclear family this episode, we got a little bit more into that whole that scene with them meeting their boss and the organization. I want to know what was in the butterscotch candy. I... Whatever it was, it
0: was... <laughs> when, when, when they were going to kill them and then decided not to and was like, I wouldn't eat the candy. I was like, oh. That's why people shouldn't go trick-or-treating. Like, that's why people oh, no. were afraid of going trick-or-treating. Whatever was in that butterscotch candy. Yeah, that was cyanide exactly you know what so, something tells me that when you bit that candy that <laughs> that sound would come on that no would matter come where you were your on. flesh
1: is just yeah i mean the nuclear family was they were interesting i mean i it was one the, their whole the whole tick of them is just this idea of like we're so perky but we're killers which is fine i mean that's cool i thought they were fine it was kind of cool to see them a bit scared of this guy and it's kind of like Very who scared. is this guy Very that these people are so scared of him you know, So that that was a nice mystery. And I did, I did like the whole scene of the eggs and who wants their eggs and him talking about the prophecy and all that. So I dug it. It I gave us a little bit more of a sense of what they're fighting for, which seems to be this whole prophecy thing that's coming. And so the picture is becoming clearer because up to this point, I mean, it's only episode three, so they're doing a good job in pacing it. But the picture so far... They've been doing a good job of it coming together, which I appreciate.
0: Well, we, of course, know that that guy is Dr. Adamson. Mm-hmm. and Ad, Dr. Adamson, who's in some way a leader. And with the eggs, it was the callousness of how easily he was going to dispose of them yeah. as if it was nothing. And their fear actually made me respond, respect, and be afraid of Dr. Adamson myself. Simply because, as we know, the, the nuclear family are are made up of of actual sociopath, psychopath killers who have no conscience about who they're killing. Do you think they have no conscience because they are a created entity, either androids, robots, or entities created in a test tube? And which one?
1: I do not know. I think... I, I. It's one of those things because, I mean, we know in all universes that AI can eventually learn things. So, I mean, it's not... I see now I feel like I'm like being discriminatory towards robots or something (laughs) I'm just saying like they have no feelings and we've had too many sci-fi movies where we learn that robots can feel and be good so I don't want to say they're just evil because they've been created evil but they have a mission you know there's this whole idea even with this prophecy stuff I mean there's kind of a gray area because even with the nun yes I said I didn't trust them but of course when they locked Raven up they thought they were doing something good this nuclear family their mission and and their boss's mission is this idea of of bringing a some type of cleansing of the world. And depending on whose side you're on, you you think you're right.
0: Well, Dr. Adamson does bring up that there's indignity in the world, pain, and of course smiles of dishonor. And that whoever Rachel's father is, is going to be the key to cleansing this and unlocking a new world, basically some type of new world order. Who do we think Dr. Adamson is?
1: I, I don't know. Who do you think he is? I am. Under I didn't the, even think that far to think. I thought I just took him as, as as surface. I was like, this is a guy who's like some minion of some sort.
0: I I'm under the impression that there is this new world order occult version of okay. it, and that they are responsible for all these actions. And we will find out that they are actually entrenched in very high upper echelons of society. I like the concept of them being part of the owls that we see in Gotham City, but the more I look at Dr. Adamson, the more I think that the owls are actually a part of them, and not vice versa. So it's not like they are part of the owls. The owls are actually just a sub entity of whatever this higher power group happens to be. Dr. Adamson clearly has a lot of power. Whatever this building was, they go inside it knowing that it's Dr. Adamson's building. He's on the top floor. Mm -hmm. It's It's he's the one in control, but is he the end all be all? I don't think so.
1: No, I don't think so either. I I think you know he was revealed, but I think there is a bigger bad going on. Probably her her father, in some sense, or whoever is in connection to her father, uh, Raven's father's, which is making us anticipate, you know, this idea of this big bad demon coming about, which I think. Yeah, I think that'll be interesting.
0: It is interesting. The concept of Rachel's father is that it's Trigon. And that, I don't think that Rachel's father, basically Satan in some ways, but this demon Trigon is the leader of this group. I think this group is trying to reach out to them because it seems, well, even from what Dr. Adamson says, he needs to be invited. There needs to be some type of spell. And they possibly worship him in some way, or they look to him to be the answer that they're looking for, but they are working independently hoping to unleash him is how I felt about that. So you
1: don't think he's the big bad that we're all anticipating.
0: I think he, he is the big bad, but it's not because of this group. This group is the big bad unleashing this group uh, uh, who is the demon. It's not that they're working hand in hand. They're working unknown to Trigon or Rachel's father, whoever it ends up to be on the show. Together, it's almost as if I, I don't know the CIA is funding the ISIS.
1: The okay, it's okay. one of those
0: situations where it's not like they're the same. However, there are a lot of links that we cannot ignore.
1: So it's just like this big web of biblical demonic political maneuverings going on. And we're only on episode three. And so, we're only on episode <laughs> three. Is, I mean, there's a lot going on. There's a lot to unpack. I mean, I'm actually quite surprised. I mean, I knew at Raven that we'd get kind of the demon thing, but I'm quite surprised that they're really diving more into the, the whole biblical kind of end days. They, are touching, it. they are touching. Is that new for it. DC? Is that new for Titans? I mean, of course, we we usually have a very happier universe. But well, <laughs> so for, for something even in like the, the comics, Teen though,
0: Titans... It it is, but it's not. As we saw in the cartoon, when we were watching things like Young Justice coming up, uh, we saw a lot of more of the occult. And of course we have the whole Justice League dark family stuff that's coming out. Mm-hmm. All these things kind of touch on the occult. Constantine. Oh yes. <clears throat> so being a part of the occult is nothing new to the DC universe. This is a this is a much more effective scary way in my opinion of how to touch upon it Mm. Uh, I thought some of the scary things that were done were the mother of the nuclear family to me is the the scariest even when the daughter speaks up she turns she says seen and not heard which is the play on the concept children are meant to be seen and not heard she says things like manners which will always it sends like a little bit of chill up my spine Mm. just to hear her be so proper and then be such a proper killer as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's my thing. I With the nuclear family, it's not... I'm not... I, I do think it's chilling if I hadn't seen it done so many times in other
0: stories sure. where,
1: you know, you have a villain who's really perky, but they're really diddly. I I don't... It's not a new concept. So I never. I wasn't super effective. I was like, oh, that's interesting. That's quirky. They're like the all-American family, but they're totally diddly. Which could be a play on politics or whatever, but it was... It's effective, but I don't think it's like, you know, ground-shaking for me. I actually thought The Nun was a bit more... Even though, now that I really think about it, I don't think The Nuns were actually evil. I think they actually thought they were protecting the world. But in terms of how sinister they can be. I guess it would be the mother of the nuclear family.
0: And we we also see that the father is dead. Uh, of course, yeah. star, Starfire. He wasn't
1: the real father, though. The, <laughs>
0: which they seem easily disposed yeah, exactly. of. Dr. Adamson has no qualms about disposing of them. And bringing a new father, which makes me question what they are as opposed to who they are. Mm-hmm. And I, it'd be interesting to find out more about them. Who I found... Very interesting to find out more about, which we didn't really get as much information as I would have liked, is St. Paul's Covenant. And that's the covenant, of course, that is the place of raising in, so to speak, for Rachel Roth, who is Raven, And we meet the nuns, yes, who are credited as the nuns. We don't actually get any (laughs) specificity of who is what and what is who in this situation. However, they seem to have already met Starfire in the past, a year ago, and Starfire comes back again. But they have no specific answers. And even in the beginning, when they started speaking and Starfire was asking questions, the nun answered... And seemed to be sincere. Did you believe her?
1: No, I mean, because that's funny that you said that they didn't seem to ha- they didn't seem to have an answer. I not I think they didn't have an answer they wanted to give Starfire because I mean, Starfire was on her detective stuff. This whole, I mean, we got such a great sense of her like giving Dick a run for his money in terms of being a detective. But in terms of the way they were answering, I think they knew a lot more. I mean, why would they 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 lock up Raven if they didn't know or sense? I mean, she had. Been there since she was, like, young for years. Clearly her mother... I don't know if her mother was connected to them or whatnot and took them from or whatever like that, but I think there was this sense of them knowing more. They're probably on the other end of the nuclear family in that. The sense. other end of that, yeah, whatever that new this world order is, they're, they're on the other side. Fight for the future or whatnot. I think the nuns are probably some like Knights of Templar or something. <laughs> you know, just this idea world. of them being on the other end. So I think they know a lot more because you're not going to lock up this 15 year old girl unless you you have an idea of what is at stake. Although, them locking her up in a room that she easily I mean, once she accepted or whatever burst out of, they clearly didn't know the extent to her power, obviously. Because she got out, but...
0: <laughs> Even when Robin questions them in a very subtle way, asking did you notice anything and then just dismisses it because the nun isn't so forthcoming. Do you feel that the nuns know about Rachel's powers?
1: I think they. I mean, why, why drug her and why lock her up in a room with a door if they, I mean, they might not have known the specifics. I don't know if she ever, it didn't seem because the nun was so, the nun was a lot more affectionate with her and a lot less, um, hesitant than we, than we remember, uh, raven's uh i guess adopted mother was a so raven adopted mother was kind of hesitant like oh i don't want to get you you know because she you wouldn't like it when she's angry exactly like hulk or something but in terms of the nun the nun seemed a lot more like oh you know rest dear so it seemed like maybe they weren't maybe they hadn't witnessed it before because like i said like raven was able to get out of the place so it's like they obviously have not had to lock her up before because this was their, obviously their first time doing it and she basically burnt down half the building
0: Something they, the nun brought to the attention was a constant reminder of Melissa, who is dead and is the adoptive mother or foster mother of Rachel, and says, your mother brought you here and uses Melissa as the mother. Does Do the nuns know that Melissa is not actually Rachel's mother, or are they covering it up?
1: I'm not sure. You know, one of the things when the nun did ask, like, how is she doing? And then, you know, Raven gives that look, and she's like, oh, I'm sorry. She didn't seem too surprised. You know, I don't know. The Nun wasn't like, oh, my gosh, she's dead. It was like, oh, I'm sorry to hear that as though, you know, stuff's getting real. No wonder you're back here without your... I mean, obviously, they had her before. If Raven shows up, there's an idea that, well, something happened. So I think, um, yeah, I'm not sure. I think I think they had an idea of who uh, Raven's mom was, uh, but not the idea of... Um, I think maybe Raven's mom was chosen or something to take care of Rachel. I don't think she like necessarily stole her. I think she might've been chosen maybe from the nuns or whoever they're connected to to kind of watch over her. But if that's the case, then why wasn't she more prepared to defend her when they came to find her?
0: Who's prepared for Satan's attack? What I did think was interesting (laughs) also was the concept that the nun, the nun was not afraid specifically of Rachel. Yeah,
1: exactly. She wasn't hesitant. Around her as though she like she didn't sent, She didn't seem to think that there was something evil lurking in her, which, yeah, like it, it was it's one of those things where it's like, did she know? Does she know what's exactly. exactly in her? Does
0: she know? Does she actually know? Do the nuns know who Rachel's father actually is or do they simply suspect?
1: They have to suspect something if they're willing to lock her up. I mean, it's, the question is, did they lock her up to keep her in or do they lock her up to keep whatever was after her out?
0: Very. That's a great point of view. I felt an exorcist vibe in that room. Mm. It was a very exorcist type scene with the bed and the cross and the way the room was set up and also her being just strapped to the bed and taken there.
1: You know, I was just going to say in the chat that you can join us on our YouTube channel. Um, Nas actually asked, did you guys notice the painting about Mary when the nun asked her about the painting and who she saw?
0: I did, but I didn't really feel... I'm not versed enough. I'm actually very versed in these manners, but I wasn't versed enough to find out what the painting... I did. Yeah, I wrote it
1: down, and I was like, Mary meeting the divine. Exactly. And yeah <laughs> it's like it's a
0: clue it's a yes. clue, and I understand, and I know the painting. I just didn't know how it matched up or why that was that was a Easter egg in the show. and if you have any opinions, we'd love for you to join the chat and of course, we really enjoy all our after buzzers,
1: yeah, exactly. hey, after Buzzers. After Buzzers, our network produces after shows for nearly all your favorite TV shows, from dramas, reality TV, sci-fi, and more. There is no network that works harder to serve television fans, but we need your help. We're asking that you please subscribe to one or more or of our YouTube channels. By subscribing to our channel, YouTube will suggest content that's tailor-made for you, and you'll help After Buzz continue to grow. And if you're worried about pesky notifications, don't be, because they're optional. So hit that subscribe button now for this channel, and check out our other AfterBuzz YouTube channels as well. Let us know you did so in the comments, and we'll thank you on air. For now, thanks for being the best fans and for helping us be the ESPN of TV talk.
0: And we enjoy each and every one of you. Thank you so much, all of you. Nas, Ivan Soto, everybody, for joining the chat and always leaving wonderful comments. Even the ones that aren't so wonderful, we appreciate your (laughs) comments, too. They're all wonderful. Let's jump to our favorite part of the show, which I believe for both of us is Starfire.
1: Yes. Oh my gosh. Starfire. I was just, you know, and I'll, I'll admit, maybe in the last episode, I was slightly biased because she wasn't there. And it was just something about her presence in this episode. I mean... Like we've been saying, she has such a presence. And I just loved how when she's looking at the crime scene of Raven's, you know, old home, she immediately just knows to say, Corey, you know, FBI. It's just like, like nothing for her just to switch, even though, of course, he didn't believe her because she's got this get up on it. She hasn't taken off that jacket in a minute, but like she's got this get up on. And it's like, yeah, it's just she's just such a great detective, which is like, where did that come from?
0: Or her ability to speak almost every language. Yes. She attacked the police officers. Did you find that surprising?
1: You know, I... No, I did not find it surprising that she attacked the police officers. I did wonder, and I think others are wondering too, on whether or not she killed one of the officers. I was wondering if one of the guys... Because he was like, please no, or something. And then he gets knocked out. I know... I was wondering if she killed one of them, Well, it was the
0: brutality of the attack. She threw one over the stairs. The other one she just, like, knocked out. We do find that they're in the hospital but they will live. Yeah. I don't know I don't know the extent of their injuries. It looked pretty bad. But we do know they will live. We do know the father of the nuclear family did not live. He was not as fortunate. No. And we see Starfire using her powers to the ultimate of her abilities once again when he takes her out and rescues Raven. Are there any other parts of the Starfire storyline, which revolves around her that you noticed particularly.
1: Well, I mean, it was... Yeah, it was one of those things where she seems to have restraint when it comes to um, not necessarily killing someone. You know, like I said, there was that question of with the officers. I mean, I think for her, it's not necessarily... She has good instincts. You know, like when she met up with Raven, she realizes she's like, you know, I just know I have to protect you, sort of a deal. I did also notice in her combo with Raven where she says... She describes her powers. She's like, There's something in me. And she describes her powers as light. And Raven describes her powers as dark. And I thought that was an interesting contrast because also Raven could not um, feel anything from her. So it's wondering if their powers kind of cancel out each other somehow. But um, I thought with Starfire, she definitely enjoys her powers. I think, I, I don't think it's like a lust for power. Like, I'm so powerful, I'm going to kill everyone. But more so, yeah, I just, I love the fact that I'm badass. Which I appreciate it.
0: She is a total badass. She is. she takes this Pontiac, which fits her. There's the Pontiac. It's like an older Mm -hmm. car. It's a 1973 Pontiac, as far as I can tell. Matches her. The soundtrack to her was this 80s music.
1: I think it was like 70s. Like disco. It was. It she, was, it they was very seventies. They have this like disco That's theme around exactly. her with the, 70s with the hair and theme it's like, going
0: into the eighties right it, there.
1: Yeah, it totally came to, it totally comes together because I know there was like all this controversy about her look and everything like but this episode I think it really showed the theme that they were going for when it came to like this disco queen. Like she's a queen of this I thought it was an interesting take, you know, just to kind of have this larger than life sort of character who just also is so I don't know I don't wanna say down her. She's not down, she's like a diva. But I think that would be even kind of stereotypical to even like subscribe to her. She's just like this, yeah, this force.
0: And one of the big signs of that force was in the restaurant when she takes on Travis and his his minions. The
1: abusive boyfriend. The abusive
0: boyfriend who comes out of nowhere and, and kind of blocks their <laughs> order. And she she stands up for another woman. Yes. Basically, and uses her she's underestimated. Because she's a woman. Mm-hmm. And we see her just be powerful and take Travis and the friends and and something, of course, where we're getting used to the Titans. She takes the fork and jams it right in his fist. That was a moment. Fist.
1: I like flinched. Like the, I moved my hand when I, I, like, I, though I felt that fork. I the Watchmen like, fighting
0: again. It was the fighting again. Ugh. But she doesn't kill them. No. She doesn't kill them. So that goes to the show of restraint that you were speaking of. And she still doesn't know who she is she's still searching for those answers and maybe that's the detective that's within her as as Corey Andrews
1: do you think the t- detective kind of vibe comes from like her time on her other planet because we know she's an alien pretty I mean unless they reimagine something else she's pretty much from a different area or whatever like maybe that was like her along with being a princess of some sort.
0: Well, she is very good at tracking because she does track the nuclear family to Coolville, Ohio, to Mm -hmm. a gas station that's very out of the way and random. Yeah, And she doesn't have the high-tech gadgetry and apps that Dick Grayson seems to have. Yes. And she still finds them. So it's a very interesting concept. I see Stargirl and Raven having a very interesting relationship. You touched on it, Chauncey, a little when you spoke of the inner power in which... Both of them used a contrasting equivalent of what their powers are. One yeah. is from within, but light. One is from within, but dark. And they connect and vibe and bond. How do you feel about Starfire and Raven's connection?
1: Well, you know, I, I actually loved it. I think Raven took a, I, I was. I it, it was more believable to me than her clinginess last episode to Dick. Like that we were talking about.
0: Dick Grayson. Let's call her clinginess to Dick Grayson. <laughs> Dick Grayson. We've already used Starfire <laughs> giving Dick and now uh, we've been Dick Grayson. Dick
1: Grayson. Um I, I think in this particular one, she saw someone that she admires. And I think she also took to her this idea of I have this thing inside of me, and I don't know what to do with it. And she immediately, in hearing Starfire's, you know, response, it's like, oh, you're dealing with it too. And I think there was, like, this kind of kindred soul going on there that I, I really appreciated. It. it was really a, a really great, like, that whole, their, that plot line of the episode was probably the best aspect of the episode. I, I wasn't feeling the other aspects of the episode, but this, this particular aspect of the episode with the two of them really worked.
0: I also find it very believable with and I I love how you placed that we didn't find the the Raven Dick Grayson storyline as believable simply because of how the timeline worked out. Yeah. I did find the Raven Starfire storyline very believable. They had something in common. They were both kind of searching for who they are and what their purpose was and why this is happening to them. I also love the camaraderie between the two. It's almost as if Starfire can tell Raven's a total badass herself and she wants to take her under her wing. And I, I believed Starfire's sincerity in wanting to help Raven because she ultimately thinks it'll also help her in yeah. her quest. And they play very well together, back and forth, their their, their storyline. Which is why when, when Dick Grayson does enter, it's almost off-putting in a way how quickly Starfire gives up Rachel.
1: I didn't think she gave up. I don't. I didn't feel like she. I feel gave like up. she gave
0: up. Rachel in the manner of Rachel's right over there, without having a conversation with Dick to find out more. She's so inquisitive of any other time, and yet in this point in time, she's just like Rachel's right there. Let's all be a be a team. And I also didn't understand how Dick Grayson didn't arrest Starfire. Starfire has just killed someone, and they know he's. Uh, they're on the lookout for her. There are they're at a bowling alley, the scooter's bowling alley. I'm assuming there will be cameras there, and if Dick Grayson was able to do it quickly, it doesn't mean the rest of the police force and and, and Detective Jessica Perez, who's working the case from Detroit, isn't going to be able to see some of this footage themselves.
1: Well, he used a different kind of technology, though. He used uh, some weird thing, from, not weird, but he used something from uh, Bruce. Wayne, advanced sort of. advanced
0: technology. He definitely used a more advanced technology. People were saying,
1: I think it was like a reference to Brother Eye or something from the comics, which was like some sort of real intricate technology because the whole eye scan that he used. But I don't, you know, it's funny because I don't think when he, because first she dismissed him, which I loved. She was like taking number. He's like, who is this? And I was just like, Oh my Very god! Star feels like two. a Starfire thing to say. But you know, it was funny to me because I, I didn't, I think. I feel like Starfire felt like she could handle it. Like if he was gonna try something, I think she feels empowered enough that she could have probably taken him out if she needed to. Also, Raven and Starfire had a conversation about him already, so she knew who he was. I think she felt the vibe that he she, was. She did pick up right so away. So it who wasn't. She, it was. I don't was. think she felt like he was in. Da- she was in danger. If anything, she was like, "Well, you were the person I was taking care of, Raven. Before I, you know, I found her. So I, I saved her. You're welcome." But. You know, I don't think she saw him as a danger. I didn't I didn't get the sense that it was her giving giving um, Raven up. And I think she also this goes back to her whole idea of maybe seeing Raven as an empowered person. Raven got to put her foot down and say I'm not going with you to Dick Grayson. You know, she was able to tell him no. And you know, and and in that moment Starfire was like, yeah, what she said because she was giving her that space of not treating her like a child.
0: When it comes to Dick Grayson and Raven, do you think that relationship is salvageable?
1: Oh yeah, it's totally salvageable. I I think it's one of those things where Raven is mad at him right now. And it's more like, my feelings are hurt because you're going to give me up. Not, you're a horrible person, I can never work with. She wants him, what she wants, she wants him to apologize better. He hasn't apologized to the point where she feels like he really, she needs him to grovel. And as an empath,
0: (laughs) maybe she's very... Sensitive to his insincerity when he does apologize simply because he's justifying it. He's saying, I was going to come back, but she kind of consents if he was or he wasn't or any of these situations. I do think that on par with how quickly Starfire accepted Dick, I was very surprised that Dick Grayson accepted starfire with any without any questions either starfire had shown a propensity to attack police officers and had killed a man so why do you think the two were were so trusting so quickly do you
1: think it's trust though i don't think it's trust i think there's this idea of we have a common goal right now we both want to protect raven so at this moment you haven't attacked me i haven't attacked you. We're going we're gonna to deal. The enemy yeah. of
0: my enemy is <laughs> yeah, my friend.
1: exactly. I think that's what, I don't think they completely trust each other at all. I don't think there was, I, I did not get a family vibe just yet. I didn't think, you know, I think um, he's still sizing her up and I feel like she's kind of like, well, if he tries something, I'll take him out. <laughs> yeah, I and think. We, we see yeah.
0: Starfire get to the locker where she finds out she's been searching for Raven for a much longer time than any of us anticipated. It went from months to what seems like at least a year or maybe some more. Yeah. And we we move from there to Robin having a very, very strong uh, plot, subplot in this one with Robin's flashback. And yeah. you rolled your eyes. <laughs> Were you not a fan of the Robin flashback? You
1: know, it's just, and I say this as someone who I have really enjoyed Robin so far. I have really enjoyed him. I, I did say, you know, I hope that he evolved from the whole brooding sort of guy thing, you know, to eventually show some layers. And I think we got a little bit of that in episode two. I think, I'm just wondering why we need, I, I'm one, I'm thinking maybe something's going to be revealed, but I don't know why we need this backstory again. Do you think it... We know him! Is it because (laughs) it's
0: trying to make us feel closer and connected to the character? Are we getting insights? Because there are some insights thrown in it. For example, Running Away is about power. We we find out where the Porsche 911 came from. We also see that Robin's a bit of a troublemaker, but ultimately that he's searching for the murder of his parents parents because he has to kill them. Something that was very shocking to hear from such a young Young person to the social worker. I, I must add, it's something where he simply was like, "I have to kill them." That's just, a very tough sentiment to have.
1: But okay, so what this basically revealed, this subplot was he's broken. He's gone through some stuff, and he most likely, if the, if the you know flashbacks continue, we'll probably find out that he he killed the guy or whoever it was. I know it was someone in the comics. Who knows if they're going to go with that plot line? Um, but I think. It's one of those things, like, did we need a whole B-plot to know that already? We knew that. Like, you didn't get the feeling that he's gone through stuff. We know his his well, family got killed. Yes, we get it. I, I, have to, <laughs> I have
0: to bring something up that actually one of our after-buzzers, who's one of my favorite people, Roxy Strayer, brought up to me, is when we say things like, well, we already know these people, not everyone is as acclimated to the DC universe as we are. We're no. assuming that everyone is as big a fan or or into the storyline there is a lot of new viewers who don't know the robin storyline and they're finding finding it out and they might really enjoy the flashback it's only us the super fans who are like we need either give us much more or none at all
1: okay so i don't necessarily mean the actual like parts of his plotline i mean the idea that what I felt like this B-plot did was just reinforce what we know... I'm not saying what we already... I'm talking about what we knew as the episode one and two. That he has commitment issues. That his parents died. That he feels like, you know, he's all alone the world. I think we got that in episode one and two. <laughs> what I'm saying... That's what I mean. I'm like, I got that in episode one and two. I don't need flashbacks of him in episode three of his childhood. That's what I mean. I mean, if we want to know details, he can say that And when he's talking... When he's having a heart-to-heart with Raven. I mean, yes... If we want to find out that his parents were killed and things like that, that can come up in dialogue. I just felt like it was one of, I think, I have a tendency, and maybe it's my bias at times, to, I think we, with plot lines like this, the guy tends to get centered with a lot of his his brooding pain. You know, um, those kind of characters. The, the male bro- character. The male brooding pain character tends to get centered a lot. And I think this is one of those moments where you have this great dynamic with Starfire and Raven going on. And then just to remind us that, you know, Dick Grayson's really important, we got to have his B-plot. That's what I'm getting. You know, I'm getting at this idea of the centering of his narrative and do I feel- don't think it was necessary in this episode.
0: How do you feel about Dick Grayson's car? This Porsche that's become its own character. I actually
1: like Starfire's car better than his. The one Starfire's car
0: fits Starfire better than Dick Grayson's car fits Dick Grayson?
1: I think so. I mean, I, once, like, that was the thing about the B-plot, too. Like, we had to have a B-plot to describe why he got this car when in episode one he talked about how he got the car. And I'm like, so I needed a B-plot of why he took the car and now it's his car. Well,
0: I think (laughs) his taking a liking to the Porsche was a part of his taking a liking to Bruce Wayne or at least he saw the structure and rigor of the Wayne Manor, ran away as we saw, comes is placed back in that home, takes the Porsche and that's his way to stay. I do want to know if we ever get a B-plot of why he has this Porsche in the snow because it looks like it's the worst car in the snow of all time <laughs> let's get some let's get to some news and gossip yeah. i believe you have some for us i
1: do have news and Ooh. gossip okay so this one is particularly a gossip one i usually do total news but this has been a back and forth these are
0: the best ones yes gossip. the
1: gossip and it's gossip slash theory that lewis tan is bruce wayne slash batman on dc Titans. Um, in um, the first two episodes of Titans, it looked like we wouldn't need an actual actor to play Bruce Wayne because it was in the dark and, and all that. Um, had moved on as Robin Dick Grayson had moved on from the Dark Knight. But episode three shows that we may be getting closer and closer to having an actual Batman on Titans. We do
0: have a couple shadows. We have yes. the shadow shot up right now where we see. The Bruce Wayne character looking in on the conversation between Dick Grayson and the social worker.
1: Exactly. A screenshot of the most recent episode of Bruce looking in on uh, Dick Grayson speaking to his caseworkers has media outlets and fans theorizing that the Dark Knight is none other than Louis Tan. Interesting. Now, you may know the super fit and super handsome actor from his time on Iron Fist and Into the Badlands. And this is a theory. Isn't something just pulled out of thin air? As Tan teased um, months ago on his Twitter back in June of a meeting with DC execs where he tweeted a picture of himself holding some Batman comic books at the DC office with the caption, great meeting. My father started in this business with Tim Burton's Batman. Soon it will be full circle. Hashtag DC at the DC universe. Wow. Now. Some fans and media outlets in particular Screen Rant had a whole theory about it. They say that they're sort they have a source on set of Titans that said they saw Tan, you know, on on the set. Although there are similar um, you know, pictures, people have been really looking at the back of his head and comparing it to Lu- at the back of Louis Tan's head. So, people are saying it's the back of the head and also this tweet. But there's more. Oh, uh, there's more. Yes, because comicbook.com has recently came out and said that the article that Screen Rant and others have been, you know, um, highlighting, they're saying, this is not true, this is not what's happening. The rap reporter, Umberto Gonzalez, where... He states directly that Tan is not playing Batman. He says that it's not a thing. It is not happening. The website Heroic Hollywood, which some comic book fans may know, also seemed to back up Gonzalez's statement. So what is the truth? Who is Batman? <laughs> so that's one I'm of the Batman. guys that, he's Batman, clearly, when he's chilling. When, so there's new Titans um, see, teaser reveals a first look at Doom Patrol in action. Doom Patrol. So um, basically, if you all saw the teaser for the next episode, you might have seen them in there. So following the release of the third episode of Titans this week, fans can get their first look at Doom Patrol from next week's episode, helpfully called... Doom Patrol in the teaser trailer. The DC super team are making their first live action appearance in Titans before spinning off into their own series. Doom Patrol has a long history in the comics with uh, Beast Boy, who has been a member of both the Titans and the Doom Patrol over the years. Doom Patrol uh, draws frequent comparisons to early X-Men stories, since if you know X-Men, it's uh, Marvel, where basically there's mutants and they have powers. And there's comparisons with Doom Patrol as they are quote-unquote freaks slash mutants who are led by a professor in a wheelchair like Professor Xavier. Huh! wonder
0: where they got that idea from. Yeah. Uh,
1: Another longtime Titan who is best known to more recent DC fans, um, as a Justice Leaguer, is Cyborg, who will also be appearing with Doom Patrol. That's according, going to be very cool. Yes, according to Warner Brothers Television, what we can expect from Doom Patrol is a reimagining of one of DC's most beloved group of outcast superheroes, uh, Robot Robot Man. Uh, Robot Man, sorry. Negative Man, Girl, and Crazy Jane, led by modern-day mad scientist Dr. Niles Calder, the chief. The Doom Patrol's members each suffered horrible accidents that gave them superhuman abilities, but also left them scarred and disfigured. Picking up after the events of Titans, Doom Patrol will find these reluctant heroes in a place they never expected to be, called to action by none other than Cyborg. So I guess their series is going to take place after... In timeline after this, Titans.
0: Love it. What? Who are the characters again? It is... Negative Man. Robo- Ro- Robot Man. Robot Man.
1: Negative Man, Girl, and Crazy Jane, led by do- Dr. Niles Calder, the chief.
0: That's so interesting. I'm pretty sure that all of those people work at the Chipotle down the street company. <laughs> Negative Man <laughs> never gives me extra guac. Well, thank you so well, much, Chauncey, for yes. giving us that news and gossip. Let's do a quick special segment in which each one of us, of course, picks a scene that denotes us and our personalities. What scene would fit Chauncey Robinson? Best? It
1: was Starfire being up uh, the guys who were in the diner taking advantage of the people and the waitresses. I just feel like I... I'm going to sound so cheesy. I stand up for justice and for women's rights. So that was all me.
0: <laughs> I'm going to have to go with Starfire in the diner too, but just because I feel like I'm often underestimated and people don't see what's coming. Like, you don't see... This is about to happen. What is and that's because I'm a to total badass. Episode, like you did the same. Well, I'm a total badass <laughs> in every episode of my life. Now, I want to touch really quickly before we have to go on Beast Boy and Raven. We saw something that seemed like Gar going around hitting on girls because he's a you know teenage boy. Talking to Raven. What do you think about that?
1: it was a very cute scene. I think it was it was very lighthearted. I think there's more to it. I think he's probably connected to Doom Patrol but I think it was a very cute scene and I like that she kind of you know it was sort of this kind of connection between them. And we saw Beast Boy again. I mean he's getting like only seconds each episode. For (laughs) now.
0: For now. But I don't know if you think it's still cute when you realize that Ryan Potter the actor that plays uh, Beast Boy and Tegan Croft the actor that plays Raven are about 10 years apart and Tegan's Very much underage. So I don't know how that's going to play out in the universe, but we shall see. I did Movie magic. want to step one last <laughs> quick thing. I got a Terminator vibe from when Starfire was saving Raven. The Terminator vibe was like, come with me if you want to live. So that's how I feel about the show. Come with us if you want to live. Any predictions before we get out of here?
1: Um, we're going to find TV out. Predictions. We will find out more about Starfire, hopefully, in the next episode. And I, more Starfire. Is that
0: a prediction or a want? <laughs> is that a want? Because It's, I, it's a
1: wishful, psychic feeling.
0: I think Starfire finds out more about Starfire. Clearly we see more Doom Patrol in in the next episode, simply because it is titled Doom Patrol, so I would imagine that plays a big part. I do think we ultimately, by the end of the season, find out who Raven's father is, because I think the way it's leading is that is the big reveal of the, the conflict of this entire season, is stopping whatever this doomsday event that is going to be is to be. And... I do think we find some more Beast Boy, as he paid a lot of attention to where Raven was going at the end. But we'll find out next week. More that we'll find out next week is more episode of of DC Titans. Where can they find you this week, Chauncey Robinson?
1: You can find me on Twitter at Miss Chauncey Kr. You can also find me on Rotten Tomatoes as I'm official Rotten Tomatoes film critic.
0: She really is. If you listen to her, she's a <laughs> Rotten Tomatoes film critic. I am the other man. I am not. But who I am is I am Tehran. That is my origin story. I am Tehran. I-A-M-T-E-H-R-A-N. All across the board, please add me on Twitter, Instagram, social media, Facebook, whatever it is. And find me at the Laugh Factory every Monday and Thursday at 10, as well as other After Buzz tv comic shows i'm all over the place so thank you so much for being here with us evan mack will be back next week we hope if he's done saving the world if not it'll be more us every week thank you for being a part of this after show dc titans our founder kevin undergaro phil spitek and me maria meninos would like to thank you for tuning in to after buzz tv